0: Okay, friends, the story begins. We are in the middle of page 35. Second paragraph or third paragraph. Blessed is the Lord forever and ever. We are continuing the verses of praise. Suke de Zimra. And then the meat and potatoes of prayer. Is the Shema, recognizing what God's oneness. And the Amida. The Amida's total... Uh, submission and concedence to God. Our, de- you know, recognizing our dependence on God. It's where we're asking asking God for things, because we realize we're reliant on Him. And that's where we kneel, we bow, we prostrate to God. It's a very deep part of the relationship, but we got to work to get there. We got to work our way in, right? So prior to that, we have the blessings of the that precede the Shema, but we'll talk about that later. Before we get that, we have the verses of praise that we've been doing since page something, <laughs> since page thirty. Right, the verses of praise opens with a blessing on page thirty. It closes with a blessing on page thirty-eight. Sandwiched in these, in between, are verses of praise from um, various texts and sources throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Bible. What we concluded last week was the last six chapters. Of the Tehillim that praise God, where we literally say Hallelujah, ha, praise Him, praise the Lord, praise God. Whenever a book of anything is finished, remember we had Mike, we had your Seum a couple of weeks ago, right? A month, a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago. Whenever we finish something, we we make a big deal out of it and we thank God, and that's where the this next paragraph comes in. Where we say, blessed is the Lord forever and ever. Amen, amen, and amen. Blessed is the Lord from Zion who dwells in Jerusalem. Praises the Lord. Blessed is the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone performs wonders. Blessed is his glorious name forever and ever. And let the whole earth be filled with the glory. Amen, and amen. We thank God for this opportunity to praise him, to bless him. But we say his glorious name should be forever and ever. Um, Again, translations are... Are limiting the Hebrew word for forever is olam, which means to the world his praises should be relevant to the world praising God isn't just for the synagogue and isn't just for those who subscribe to him he is going to follow you wherever you are no, it, should, it should be relevant it's relevant to everybody right? his glory should Fill the entire earth. And that's going to happen one day in the Messianic era. Everybody's going to be able to perceive God. Right now, we're not in that space yet. And we have to work to perceive God. We have to work to praise God. We have to believe in God. And through processes of prayer and study, we integrate the knowledge and we get to better internalize and know God. This leads us to the next paragraph. The next paragraph is the first half of it cut and paste from the book called Divrei Hayamim it's the last book of the 24 books of the bible Divrei Hayamim known as the book of chronicles the book of chronicles is it's kind of interesting i mean it's not interesting it's kind of boring it's but it's interesting its existence is kind of interesting it's it's kind of like just history it's kind of just charting everything from uh, from Adam until basically Ezra. It was authored by Ezra. Again, when the, Baita Mikdash, the first base of Mikdash was destroyed by the Babylonians, the Jews were exiled primarily to Babylon, to Bavel, for about 70 years. That's when the story of Purim took place. Eventually, it became time to go back to Israel and rebuild that third temple. Ezra brought everybody back. And Ezra wrote this Book of Divrei Hayamim, the chronicles of basically everything that happened thus far in Judaism. And in this book of Chronicles, what we're quoting here, which is chapter 29 of Chronicles. We. Chart King David as his fundraising tactics. It's kind of random, right? We're talking about King David's fundraising. King David was a fundraiser. That's you know he was he was a rabbi, too. He wasn't just a king. <laughs> and here's what it says. We'll talk about his fundraising in a second, but let's just read the actual verses, and we'll jump into the significance and the personal meaning as well. And David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly, and David said, "Blessed are you, Lord, God of our Father, Israel, in all the realm of the universe. Lord." Yours is greatness, the power of glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all are in heaven, and on earth is yours, Lord. Yours is kingship, and you are exalted, supreme over all rulers. Wealth and honor come from you, and you rule over all. Your hand are might and power, and it is in your hand the great uh, to grant greatness and strength to all. And now, our God, we give thanks to you. And praise your glorious name. Okay, let's stop right there. The history. Let me take a step back. Right, let's backtrack the history for a second. Jewish people are slaves in Egypt for 210 years. We're finally redeemed from Egypt. 40 days later, we receive the Torah. 40 years later, Moses, pa- Moses passes away. Joshua... um, Excorts the Jewish people into the land of Israel, conquers the land of Israel. They spend about 14 years dividing and conquering the land, for the most part. At this point, we still don't have a Beit Mikdash, which is the whole trajectory of Judaism, get to Israel and have this Beit HaMikdash, have this home for God. We don't have a Beit HaMikdash yet. We have the Mishkan. The Mishkan was the temporary tabernacle, the temporary home. Right? They would carry it around the temporary sanctuary for God, the temporary Beit Mikdash kind of like pop-up tents, and they would load it and unload it, and they would carry it around throughout the desert. They brought it into Israel. At some point, this, this Mishkan, this temporary dwelling, parked in the land of Shiloh, which is part of Israel, for about 300 years. That's what Maimonides charts down in his historical chartings. I, I'm getting the numbers. Uh, I'm not being exact. I don't remember exactly. We're 300 and something years. There was this temporary dwelling. And they said, you know, let's make this temporary thing (laughs) semi-permanent because it's it's here for a while. And it actually made it out of like stone. Eventually, King David came and conquered Jerusalem. He gets the land ready for the temple. And God says, King David, not so fast. You're not going to be the one to build the temple. God, why not? Because you were engaged in battle. You're engaged in war. And although you had permission to do so and you were required to do so, at the end of the day, I don't want my home to be associated with battle. So your heir is going to have to do it. King Solomon, his son, is the one who built the temple. Okay. When you build a temple, it costs money. <laughs> a lot of money. I can tell you from experience. No. <laughs> it it – it, talk to any of your rabbis. It costs money, right? This temple, beta HaMikdash, have you ever seen – Diagrams, pictures, or or the the, new uh, 3D stuff of the basin Mikdash. It's exquisite, especially for the time. Not cheap. Think of just the, the menorah itself. The menorah is probably, give or take, three feet tall, solid gold. Not really a solid piece of gold. How much does the menorah cost? Right, The menorah is so expensive that it's probably more than a couple of feet of land in the Bay Area. and no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I'm just teasing. But the, no, no, But the, it's expensive. The Beit Mikdush was large. There was a lot of rooms, a lot of buildings. There was a, several mikvahs in there. There was sacrifices. There was an altar. There was a lot of gold, silver, copper, jewels, tapestry. There's a lot going on. It costs money. So King David had to roll his sleeves up and say – if God's home is going to be built, there's only one way it's going to happen. Somebody we all together got to foot the bill and King David fundraises. When he finally successfully fundraised, King David the the the, the um the passage in Chronicles, the tells us that King David rejoiced. Everybody rejoiced, by the way, not just King David, which is a powerful lesson when the rabbi fundraises. It's not the rabbi's joy. It's everybody's joy. (laughs) Everybody rejoiced, but especially King David rejoiced. And he started dancing. They were excited. And at that point, King David composed this prayer to God at this point when he finished his fundraising and they all celebrated, we made our capital campaign, we reached our goal. <laughs> this was before um, charity.com or whatever it is. I don't know if they had the, uh, the the meter. Maybe they had one out of stone. I don't know. <laughs> Fill the bucket with stones. <laughs> but they started rejoicing. And David blessed the Lord. Who did he think? Who did he attribute his success to? To God and the presence of the all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, God. Thank you, God. He didn't say, I'm the best fundraiser here. He attributed his success in fundraising for the Beit HaMikdash to God. Which God? God of our father Israel. Who's Israel? One way to interpret it is the people of Israel, right? But who else was Israel? Jacob. So why is he attributing his success in fundraising to the God of Israel as opposed to the God of Isaac or the God of Abraham. And go to Abraham, he was the first patriarch. He's the one who started this whole thing. So if you rewind to this week's Torah portion. This is very timely. This week's Torah portion. Yaakov, Jacob, who's later going to be Israel, his name has changed, is running away from his brother Asav. He... Is getting tired. The sun sets. He goes to sleep. He has a dream. There's this ladder. There's angels going down. There's angels going up. I'm oh, sorry, other way around. There's angels going up. There's angels going down. And God is standing over him. And God is giving him this pep talk. You're going to be good. And you have responsibilities, and I'm going to take care of you. And you, you're you going to take this torch that you got from Isaac, who he got from Abraham, who he got from God. And you're going to carry on the torch of Judaism. Abraham, uh, sorry, Jacob wakes up and he vows to God that he's going to embrace this mission. And what does he say? I should have brought a homage with me up. Oh. Surprise. I'd like to get the exact text. So just give me, bear with me for a second. What does Jacob say? Hold on. Jacob says, this stone, which I place as a monument. Remember, he put the stones around his head to protect himself. This stone will be placed as a monument, and this will be the house of God. What else did Jacob say right when he woke up? This is a sacred place. I wouldn't have fallen asleep here had I known this was a sacred space. Because he quickly realized, where was he? He was in Jerusalem. He was on that exact spot where thousands of years later, a thousand years later or less, the altar was going to be placed. He was on that exact spot where his father was offer, um, offered on the altar. in the same altar spot that Adam and Eve uh, used as an altar. He was in a very sacred space. He was in Jerusalem. He was in the Beit He was where the altar was. He was in the sacred space. And he says, this stone is going to be a house of God. This stone is where the altar is going to be. He basically put a place marker of where God's home is going to be represented. So now, fast forward, uh, close to a thousand years later, probably a little less, where King David is thanking God for his fundraising success in building the house of God. Um, He attributes his success to specifically the God of Jacob, not the God of Isaac or Abraham. Abraham embraced his mission. Isaac embraced his mission. Jacob embraces mission, concretely pun intended, <laughs> in the literal sense of, we're going to make this permanent. We're going to build a permanent structure for God. <laughs> Which, by the way, on the topic of joyous fundraising, Tell you two stories. Two stories about fundraising. I'm. I'm this is not an appeal. I think it's. <laughs> See everybody back away slowly. No, I'm kidding. Story number one was with Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadi, the the Alter the author of the Tanya. He was on some sort of fundraising campaign. Um, for one of his projects. In general, he was a very charitable person. he um he actually you know the joke they say, um got married, became a millionaire. I used to be a billionaire, <laughs> right um getting, so that was him. he he married wealthy, but he gave away all his money to charity and literally lived penniless because he gave he supported Israel and supported Jews that were in Israel at the time and created the call chabad fund at the time which just still exists today helping hungry people in the land of Israel and he was on his one of his fundraising campaigns and he knew there was a certain wealthy person and he was advised not to go to this person because this person has the means to donate a lot but he generally gives like a, a rusty penny literally just as a form of like mocking because he's not interested in giving but he'll give a penny you know instead of even just saying no he decides to not heed people's warning, and he goes. And he has with him two attendants that were with him, I guess, helping him. He walks in, and these two attendants know what to expect, but he's going to give it a try. And he gives him his pitch. And he's sure, I'd love to help you out. I'll be right back. He comes back with a rusty penny, or whatever whatever the currency was two, 250 years ago. comes with a rusty penny. And He takes it, and he says, thank you. Every amount is, it all adds up. So thank you, I'd like to thank you, and God bless you. Bless your family, and thank you. The the guy was not expecting that. He was expecting a more negative reaction. And the altar ever leaves, he calls him back. He says, wait, 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 I think I have a little bit more for you. He gives him a little bit more, but it was still... Uh, negligible compared to what he could have given, and he says, "Thank you so much. This is really gonna add to what we need. This is really gonna, you know, God bless you, bless your family." And he starts giving him all these, thanking him profusively and giving him blessings. And he leaves. The guy calls him back a third time. He says, "How much do you need?" <laughs> he tells him the number, and he fills the entire sum of what he needed. And again, he thanks him profusively blesses him and his family, and he leaves. The two attendants say to the Altar Rebbe, how, um, how did you get him to donate? So many people have gone to him and have been mocked, and you came out successful. The Altar told him for the very first time, this person experienced the joy of giving. The small amount that he did give was appreciated. He was blessed. He was thanked. He felt good about giving. He felt good about being a giver. He wanted to give more. We'll soon You'll soon see why this is relevant to the context of prayer, why we're saying this now. There's another story with Rabbi Mendel Futterfass. Have you heard of Rabbi Mendel Futterfass? Rabbi Mendel Futterfas was a legendary um, rabbi in the Chabad world. He passed away, I think, in the early 90s. He was, he actually spent 10 years, he's from Russia, spent 10, he eventually beat, but was a Chabad Rabbi in Kfar Chabad in Israel, the yeshiva there. He spent 10 years of his life in Siberia. He was arrested for practicing Judaism and teaching Judaism in communist Russia when that was highly illegal. Um, In his later years, you know, he had to support the yeshiva and he had to support many other responsibilities. And he would fundraise, and he would actually go around, flying around the world, meeting with people, fundraising. At some point, he was like in his 80s. And he says, you know what, I think I'm done. (laughs) I think I'm ready to just kick back. I'll study, I'll teach Torah, I'll I'll be involved in community affairs, but I'm just done fundraising. I'm done. And he asked the Lubavitcher Rebbe for his blessing to alleviate him of his fundraising responsibilities and please get somebody else who's a little bit younger and more charismatic and whatever. The Rebbe's response to him was, who gives you the right to take away people's mitzvah of giving tzedakah? (laughs) You think you're fundraising? You think it's about you getting money? (laughs) You have the opportunity to go around, you meet people, you put on film with them, you also collect up, but it's not about you needing money, although your, your organization does need money. You have the opportunity to give, you're giving people a mitzvah opportunity. How can you possibly take that away from them? He's in his 80s, he's, oh man. <laughs> he's got to do it, he's got to do it. But why are we talking about fundraising in the middle of prayers? This is the prayer that David, King David composed. When he fundraised, if you look on line number three, Lord, yours is the greatness. I'm gonna do you know let's let's go in the Hebrew. I'm sorry, Hebrew is better. Line number three in the Hebrew, and I can't do this English stuff. Uh, <laughs> line number three in the Hebrew, in the beginning of the line, toward the beginning of the line, right after the two dots, lecha, to you, Hashem, God, Hagdula is greatness. All of this greatness, all of this kindness that I've received, I'm attributing it to you. Hagivura strength, power, or discipline. The discipline that it takes to fundraise. This the discipline that it takes to fight adversity to get here, to conquer the land for the Beit HaMikdash. That comes from you. Ferret, the beauty, the hanetzach, the victory. V'haho, the splendor. All of this is you. It's Everything in the heavens, the earth, all of this that we're getting, it's all you, God. Hashem you Hashem is kingship, and who is exalted, from the beginning. Just going to read one more line, okay? The haosher, wealth, hakavod, honor, it's in front of you. bakol, you rule upon everybody. By the way, there's a tradition when you say the word bakol, you're supposed to give some tzedakah at that point to the tradition, to actually reenact what King David was celebrating. It's an old tradition to do that. But why are we talking about King David's fundraising prayer that he did with great men's joy in the middle of prayer? Why is it relevant here? So I read a commentary from Rabbi Yonason Eichitz. He was an Austrian rabbi going back... I think it was Austria, going back probably three hundred and something years ago, three hundred and fifty years ago, maybe a little bit more. He wrote a commentary on the sitter. And here's what he explains. If you reflect back on the praises that we gave to God, do you remember how we said they were all in the or most of them were in the future tense? Right? Why were they in the future tense? Because the ultimate praise is going to be in the future. It's going to be when Mashiach comes, when we have that Beit HaMikdash. So if you look on page... um, The clearest example is on page 33. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. O oh, my soul, I will sing to the Lord with my soul. I will chant praises to my God. It's not that I did praise... Or I am praising, it's something I will do. It's more clear in the Hebrew, but this is future tense. And most of these are future tense. Prophesizing that the ultimate ability to praise God is going to be in the future when Mashiach comes. Right now, during exile, we believe in God. The way Isaiah Prophesizes and describes the messianic era. It's going to be a time where we're not going to, lo- we will no longer believe in God because we're going to know God. When Mashiach comes, we're going to know God, and that's going to be in the Beit mikdash. We're going to have that clarity. But what did it take to get that Beit mikdash, to get that oasis of clarity of God? It took donations, it took dedications donation is 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 my is financial. A donation is is emotional as well because the donation is dedicating. It's dedication. Your heart follows your wallet. That's how life works. When you donate to something, you're investing your heart and soul. And what we're saying is if we want these praises to be real, we got to dedicate our heart and soul. We've got to totally dedicate ourselves to these praises. As we're going to fully when Mashiach comes. Yes, Mashiach's not here yet. But we're going to fully invest ourselves emotionally. And fully put our heart and soul into these praises. And dedicating our heart. Part of that means our wallets too. You know there was a fundraiser. <laughs> I'll tell you a great story. There was a fundraiser named Shimshon Stock. He lived in Crown Heights and he he would fundraise for people that were you know didn't have food for for the holidays <laughs> and he used to announce he was a clown he was known as a big clown um he used to announce everybody pull out your wallets take out just $1 that's it i'm asking you to take out $1 hold on to that dollar and give me your wallet <laughs> <laughs> but king david is celebrating Not just that people are giving money. It's that people care. People care about this house for God so that they could wholesomely praise God so that God could be present in their lives. We're um, were, were um, were reading these praises that King David did because we want to show God we're going to fully dedicate ourselves. We fully care. We're even willing to invest our wallets in being able to praise God fully. That's my story and I'm sticking to it.